Hi, and welcome to the Dewing Grain podcast. Dewing Grain are independent and local grain traders. From seed supply to harvest movement and storage contracts, they can offer you the best strategies to achieve the highest prices for your harvest. Each week on our podcast, we begin with the Dewing Grain market report, giving you up-to-date information and analysis, followed by the farm chat, where we catch up on agricultural issues with a guest or two, whilst occasionally sampling a beer. Andrew's favourite bit. So let's start with Andrew Dewing with this week's market report. Market report week commencing 19th of June 2023. Right, we're in a weather market. It has taken its time to finally come up with a reason to rally. Is it a never-ending rally that is going to take us to the moon? Possibly. It depends on what happens next, and that's the beauty of a weather market. You don't know what happens next. So you can listen to every weather forecast under the sun, and they will... That's a good pun, wasn't it? Anyway, every, every weather forecast that comes out predicts rain, and then the rain disappears, or it doesn't predict rain, and then it rains and many a time many a trader has gone home on a friday night thinking monday morning this is going to be raking in the cash i'm going to make good money i've taken a position on a market that's definitely going to be affected by a very hot dry weekend and lo and behold from nowhere rain appears and the weather forecasters kind of pretend they didn't not notice it previously so very precarious time the biggest and most bullish story is u.s corn They've had rain promised and 50% of the area is in drought. Very key areas, Iowa, Illinois in particular. There is rain forecast, but is it going to happen? And there was rain forecast and it happened in some places, but not all. And that really has rallied and really is looking very, very potentially bullish the crop is in okay condition largely although it's beginning to slip back and the crop report next week will be fairly critical but everything is riding on whether a decent rain appears or not and at this moment that is not guaranteed and what was predicted has diminished so that's the biggest driver if you look at our little country and just come here for a little while that out of nowhere a weather forecast has shown rain in east anglia on sunday which wasn't on the radar at all now if that happens it's going to be fantastic not much rain but it's going to be great it's just just the right moment. I took some photos of a farm yesterday which every crop looked exceptionally good. There's no problem with it. It is spring barley included. It just looks amazing. The potential is immense. However, the spring barley especially needs rain and everything will need a bit of rain for grain fill just to make it from a good into a brilliant harvest and it's it cannot suffer four, five, six weeks of continuous hot dry weather. So if we do get rain on Sunday and Tuesday which is forecast, it's not much but it could be between 10 and 20 mil which would be significant enough to carry it for at least a week or so on which is you know that's fantastic news for eastern counties that would be a dream if that happens i could verge on being cheerful on monday morning other areas with drought problem is obviously northern europe especially denmark that is having an immediate or very big impact especially on spring malting barley prices the fob market for malting barley which is kind of the backbone of european trading has been you know it's had a 50 60 euro rally in about four weeks it's currently valued if you put it in pound terms i'll give you the price for that now so spring barley november x farm is about 240 pounds a ton that's a really big hike and that's on a 185 nitrogen basis now that makes the high premium low nitrogen 165 stuff is going to have to work a lot harder because why have the misery of going load by load into a molster who's going to take a tenner off you every time it's got you know the lorry driver hasn't changed his shirt for a day so you get a claim you might as well go for something where you go onto a boat and it's a lot more forgiving so it's 
the backbone of the malting market is in a great place. And at this moment, there is a small amount of rain, very patchily forecast for parts of Denmark or Scandinavia, but nothing of any consequence. And the bulk of the high pressure is sitting over that region. So that one in particular is not a sell. You sit on your hands if you're a farmer. And the maltsters can take cover by buying fob cargoes. So it's not as if they can't get some sort of insurance against the market going through the roof. But it just means that it's fueled. There's more people buying it and there's spec buyers of it and so on and so on. But there's just back to the point. Crops at this moment have not been overly affected. Critical period is now mid-flowering on the wheats. And as I say, a little rain over this weekend could, well, it will make a nice difference. If we continue to get a bit more rain after that in a week or so's time, then it will just keep bringing what potentially is a monster crop into the UK. But it's really on a knife edge. So is it enough at the moment to say, right, it's definitely going up even further? No, which doesn't make it a market you can invest your your life savings in. You have to say, is this a selling opportunity? The futures, as I speak, are trading at £201 a tonne. That's a massive rally, £18, £19 from the bottom. So is it a selling opportunity because we've got a good crop coming and it's going to rain over the weekend? Or is it just, nah, it's going to never rain in the States again. Corn's going to go through the roof and we're going to follow it. It is anybody's guess and it is truly a guess. So moving on to prices, that's kind of covered the really important issues of what's going on. We are in a weather market. It's very good news price-wise for you lot, if you're farmers. Old crop feed wheat, ex-farm July 172. It's better if you've got the storage to carry it into new crop. So if you sold as available, you make 180 delivered to one of our stores. We'll be looking very carefully for bugs on that if you suddenly announce you've got some as available wheat in late July, by the way. So we're assuming August is when harvest itself is going to start. Second half of August, you make 175x because it's going to have an abundance of wheat coming out of everybody. Equally, I think a consideration is if you've got wheat, you need to move at harvest time. If you sell it direct to a consumer, assuming it's a normal year you probably get away with stuff going into a consumer at a lower charge than into a dryer into a store but not everybody can do that and if everything's wet then even the consumers turn around and say I'm sorry I can't take any more wet I'm going to reject it which is their right but we won't know that until August as you know so if you take it later on September 183 October 185 November 186 and if you go carry on to May there's a 10 quid carry from Nov to May 196x so those are getting very palatable again they should be a profit somewhere in there for you depending on whether it's wet at harvest or all those things and depending on whether the yield has been bumped up by this lovely rain we want so moving on milling wheat premium are very good they're going to continue to be good you are in a strong position with that one so just ride it and wait and find out whether you've got hagberg or not before you make any sales looking at uh, i've touched on malting barley the spring barley market backbone is firm no one's in the mood to sell it at the moment the malters are keen to buy it's not that easy to provide them with cover when you can't get anyone to sell it to you in the first place so that's a bit of a waiting game now we're close to harvest the market has improved it's good news for farmers if the product is up to spec there's a slight concern that this rain the timing of it on spring barley's just could push the nitrogens into the year and give us a high nitrogen year so there is a little worry about that but i think i'd rather have the rain than not if you don't mind otherwise it'll just be low nitrogen thin stuff perhaps what else do we want to talk about feed barley 
as available, which means like kind of 7 to 14 days, depending on person is taking as available. By the time they pretended they haven't been notified and all the other things, the, the games that are played. But to a port, probably, you'll make about 155x, something in the region of that. And if you wanted to deliver to store, we'd probably pay 55 delivered store, something like that. I think Bali will have a good demand through the season. And I also think that the discount to wheat should diminish as the season goes on because it's clear the Spanish are going to be buying a fair bit of feed barley and we are people with a surplus of it. So, yeah, it's great news price-wise. Big concern if we don't get rain and it just stays at 30 degrees and dry. But largely, I think we're in a good place. I think the crop, I'm going to put a picture on this week's podcast, uh, which is of a spring barley field, which to me just looked absolutely fantastic. And I could choose the rape or I could choose the wheat from that particular farm. Each and every crop looked in great nick. So at this precise moment, we're still on for a big harvest. We're still on for for, I think, potentially prices to diminish from here because of that. But it could all be ruined by what happens next. And you and I don't know what that's going to be. So with that, have a great week and I'll, uh, I'll catch you next week. Thank you for listening. Please remember that any decision to trade on this opinion is yours. The Dewing Grain podcast is produced by East Coast Design Studio in Norwich. We are a creative agency specializing in graphic design, websites, digital marketing, and SEO services tailored towards local and small businesses, a design agency you can trust. Get in touch to inquire with our friendly team today on 01603 728 978 or head over to our socials at East Coast Design Studio on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Okay, this week we've got an in-house Doing Grain podcast. We haven't had one of those for a while, and I've got everybody's favourites, Ben and Webby. Hello, gents. Hello. Hello. And Ian's just come back from his holiday. Welcome back, Webby. Was it nice? It was, yeah. What was the Enjoyed highlight? It. What was the highlight? All of it. Keep it clean. Yeah? Yeah, no, it's good. I amused myself. And Josh's prediction, has that come true, do you think? Am I allowed to talk about this on here? Probably not. <laughs> Yeah, Josh's prediction. Both my children have coincided with one week. Two holidays. Yes, two holidays, same week. So no children on this trip? No, 99.9% sure. Okay. Little Marbella is on the way. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's a great trip, actually. I did some crop inspecting from the air. Yeah, no, you've got nice trees. Good point. England's green and pleasant pastures. Yeah, and... Looked awesome. The black grass thing you noticed. Oh, yeah, uh, I could see some very clearly sprayed off black grass. There was one or two fields that were clearly boom sprayed, like real bits, but then also looked like almost spot knapsack treatment and some crap looking rapeseed crops. Do you know what? I've just been to a yet to be revealed winner of the Ausland Farm competition farm, and I've got to say, every crop looked brilliant. The rape looked tall, full of pods. But Northern Norfolk, I mean, if you go south of Norwich, it's not so pretty, but I agree. And this area, they look, even through flowering, they pot it out and they look such a full canopy. Yeah. Awesome. And the wheat and the spring barley, I've taken some pictures, I'll shove them on the socials to show that at this precise moment, the crop is not suffering and it does look in really good condition. But there are spring barleys out there definitely suffering on the lighter land. And it is the moment when it does need the rain. So from now on, it's going to turn a very sharp downward yeah. Well, it's going to head off in the wrong direction for a little while. But, but no, yeah, crop inspecting from the window of Ryanair is pretty good, Webby. Well done. Did you get much leg room? 
actually, yeah, my wife is a lot more organised than me, which is no shock there. Really? Um, and she put me into the front row seat, which is great. Oh, Full really, leg What, like you flew the plane? Hmm? <laughs> <laughs> it's really not very reassuring at all, is it? No, it's very good. No, no, you, it, I was kind of hoping you were cramped up with your knees around your ears. No, all no, like, no. Or like no. Mickey taking of short people and all no, that. That's a good flight, yeah. Can't complain. Yeah, it's really good. Good. Sampled a few of the uh, yes. local vinos in uh, Portugal. Lovely. Yeah. Good. Right, well, so let's get into some very serious business. Now you're back and totally switched on, ready for your next holiday next week. What should we talk about first? I think, Ken, you want to talk about interest rates. Yeah, I think we just need to cover this because it's very easy to just turn a blind eye, not worry about it. But next week, Bank of England, there's an interest rate rise coming and it's been so well publicised, it's ridiculous. They're all quoting John Major from the, must have been the 90s, saying, what is it, if if there's no pain, it's not working or something anyway. And the Bank of England are adamant they're going to put rates up again, probably quarter of a percent, but some are saying it could even be half. And I think that is going to tip a lot of people more over the edge than they already are. So just for history, say, where is base at the moment? Is it four and a half? Yeah, yeah, four and a half. we're talking about going up to 5%, which is significant, bearing in mind that in the last (coughs) decade, everyone's borrowed money to buy everything. There's people who've got, you know, loans on their watches. And that's the problem. You know, people have been saying, look, you know, well, we've had high interest rates in the 1980s and it was no problem. Yeah, but back then your people were only borrowing two times their salaries by a house or whatever it was, and they weren't having cars on tick, watches, whatever else. Now, it really could be a problem. I mean, Radio 4 was saying, what, in something like two months' time, there's another 1.4 million mortgages that are going to get renewed, Mm. and the mortgage rates are going to be astronomical. So you don't want to be too doom and gloom, but I think, in general, the UK economy is in a bit of trouble. I've had a number of people say that in the 80s, it was only two times your salary. I I clearly wasn't paid enough because I used to max myself out to four times my salary to get a house. I was, you know, underpaid and um, (laughs) like you lot. And the dynamic of that is, you know, it was like that then. It's just that in those days, people didn't take crazy loans out on all sorts of other stuff. Everyone didn't expect to have every single new gadget. Mm. And so the modern generations just expect these luxuries. Sky TV is a luxury. Yeah. Like you can't even watch the European Cup final on Sky TV anymore. I expect you didn't even try to watch the European Cup final on YouTube, did you? Uh, Ian watched it. No, but the cricket would be a problem, yeah. Yeah, point being that that's a luxury. All of those things are luxuries relative to what it used to be. So whinging about us oldies who don't know what we're talking about, it was a struggle and Mm. interest rates were 15%. So... If everybody didn't expect to have everything immediately, I think people wouldn't be in the terrible trouble they're about to get in. I think this next half percent, there was an article you were quoting saying this is the bit that's going to break the camel's back. Yeah, because people won't, there's nowhere else for them to turn. In theory, they've had their pay rises. Private companies have done that. And now it's like, right, well, then here's the next interest rate rise. I mean, inflation has stayed high. But we all know from the futures market that the base price of foods will come down. But that's been my biggest wind for a while is, and I haven't heard many economists talk about this, I had one very sensible one on Radio 4 who was basically talking about not just ag-based commodities, but, you know, base commodities, energies, food, you know, has come lower. Yeah. But there is the delayed lag. So don't forget, you know, lots with supply agreements six months, you know, agreed six months prior. 
Well, also, we we had the benefit of the lag with the prices on the way up. Because if you think about it, prices went up really, really high Mm. very quickly. They probably went up quicker. And food prices didn't go up straight away. No, but they still did go up quicker. The slope down will be a lot slower, more gradual. And will the retailer, the supplier, will they actually pass on? Have the consumers or the people in the street been used to paying these higher prices and thinking, okay, well, I've just got a better margin? Well, that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, the government have called in the supermarkets and had a review and the supermarkets have all sat in front of them and said no no we are working hard to keep prices down but putting up interest rates is it going to curb inflation in my eyes no i'm certainly not an economist as you know but i just think it's a oh, bit agree like what's the point it yeah, will yeah. naturally do itself against you know i mean as much markets. as i agree with andrew that yeah people have borrowed all this money to buy frivolous things that they don't need Putting up interest rates again i think will really hammer growth in the uk economy i have no doubt about that So we're going to buy less stuff. Yeah, and we know that the UK economy is built on consumerism, isn't it? Yeah, so maybe we'll save the planet. Uh, Well, carbon footprint should come down. That'll please the little... That'll help the Chinese carbon production figures, won't it? Make them look good, because we've got a little moody troll, Greta Thunberg, yeah. I'm a fan of Greta's little socks. She's right. We all know she's right. The doom goblin. No, she might not actually put her point in a way that's acceptable, presentable or whatever to, you know, trendy types, but she's right. That's it. She's right. We are screwing the planet. And unfortunately for her, what she doesn't understand is that the people are inherently selfish. And that's the end of that. Until we're forced by government or forced by some form of necessity, no one's going to change. There won't be enough electric charging points because it's a physical impossibility for the UK to have enough. There's a slight chance Greta might send me a Christmas card this year Mm -hmm. because I've decided that I'm tempted to start cycling into work. Okay. Every now and again. What does that represent every now and again? Well, I was thinking, because after my run last night, after getting a bit fat <laughs> yeah. in Portugal, it's actually not a bad run for no, me. We have been telling you that yeah. you have your own personalised running track between your it's, house yeah, and Yeah, until I'd been on I went on it a few years ago, and it was like a bit of a dodgy, muddy track. Yeah, they've paved, now it's paved a it track. For yeah, I know. It's amazing. Yeah. Three and a half, four miles door to door. Yeah, I know that too. I've yeah. been on it. I, yeah. I had to travel to get to it. There's a difference. Yeah. But it's like straight line, not much of an incline. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, well, to be fair, people have been saying this to you for the past year. And you've just been like, oh. <laughs> to be fair, he's been renovating the house. He's about to move in to his house. But yeah, he can't yeah. move in because he hasn't got the extractor fan above the oven yet. Yeah. In a first world type problem way. But any second now, he's actually going to move out of the caravan, isn't he? And what's the, stopping you moving out? The caravan of joy. What's stopping you moving out? I'm quite attached to it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> No, it's convenient. It's really easy. With the kids, it's fine. Yeah. Well, you can lose them. You can send them down their corridor and go, off yeah. you kids. See them next Wednesday. Um, but no, by the weekend, hopefully. Cool. So. Good. Well, that's exciting. Webby moves into his all-time forever house. This is it, isn't it? Yeah. yeah this is it. You can't renovate houses anymore. You've actually got to come and work. <laughs> 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 Not have your dad telling you you haven't done this or anything. Um, yeah, I think yeah. so. I think yeah. so. I'm looking forward. That's good. Can't wait. That's a deep, isn't it? Right, yeah, it'd be good to have you in the office more, Webby. <laughs> He's been here. It's just. <laughs> but so anyway, so coming back to it all. So next week, we're going to see this interest rate rise. You know, it's a funny one because Europe have just put their interest rates up, but their inflation seems to be a lot more manageable than ours. Let's bring it back to grain. Every tonne of grain we buy and finance at harvest time to carry through to when we tender it in the futures is going to cost in excess of £1 per tonne now. Yes. Per month. That's on top of increased storage charges. So running stores has become actually yeah. quite a costly experience. You know, there's a, hang on, hang on. Everyone's saying, oh, they're just trying to buy it cheap. 
Uh-uh, no, there's the maintenance, isn't there? There's oh, spare parts. That... Well, you know, last year the dryer, which depreciates at the same rate every... I did this last week. I'm in danger of repeating myself <laughs> continuously. So, no, we won't talk about that. Okay. But interest rates have a direct impact on... And when a farmer sells something, if he has an overdraft, he is costing himself £1 per month. So an increment in the market of £1 per month is only standing still for the farmer. And it is only, therefore, losing him money because he's blowing it to keep it in condition. So farmers, you know, you need to do your maths accurately about whether it's making you money or costing you money. It's probably as well to sell it early and clear your overdraft than pay the storage charges. That's a consideration. Okay, so is that going to impact prices, do you think, interest rates going up? Does that make any difference at all? Well, it's a funny one, isn't it? Because, you know, the consumer ultimately will see food prices come down because of the base price raw material has come dramatically down and people need to eat. So I guess demand stays the same. I mean, I think the organic market could take another kicking. Well, organic's had it, hasn't it? Well, <laughs> there's a set members of the public who eat organic religiously. Yep. What percentage is that? 5%? Probably not even that. Yeah, probably not even that. And the mid-range people who have been selecting it, if, oh, I'll have that, I'd like to save the planet, have completely kicked it into touch and gone to Lidl's, haven't they? Yeah. Not that Lidl have organic, I don't know whether they do or not, but... So food habits are changing in the supermarkets based on price. Cereal prices, what's the influence is going to make our farmers going to sell it earlier? We've got to try and second guess what's going to make the farming community sell their grain for 2023 harvest, because they haven't. No. And at this moment, it's looking very bullish, isn't it? Because the weather's wrong. Yeah. So what's going to make them make that move? And when will they make it? Will an overdraft or an interest rate rise be trumped by a drought that occurs in June, July in the whole of the Northern Hemisphere and the market goes through the roof and just keeps going up? What's their target? I don't think anyone knows anything about what they want anymore, do they? You just mentioned a minute ago, this is like a very bullish market. And this snapshot, I mean, it is, yes, it is bullish, but we're trading an American weather pattern, bluntly, aren't we? And on malting barley with the Scandi... Yeah, OK, yeah, yeah, drought. yeah, yeah. But if you take, like, global feed grains, it's a Midwest and maybe two or three states, it's not all the Midwest, that, that's where the problem is. And their forecasts get pushed back. But as soon as, as soon as the rains come, I think it's got quite a shift lower. On again. corn, but, I mean... In, it's, yeah, but it should leave French, the rest Are the French going to sell? The French came down aggressively yesterday. What was that about? Was that because there had some rain in certain parts of I France? I think it's a change in, yeah. The north of France was Some still it was, dry. Yeah. So they're not, you know, there's... But everyone gets so spooked. Even like last year, okay, I appreciate there's some farms that didn't do so well with their yields. But in the main, you know, we didn't get rain from like Feb in a lot of places. No. And we ended up with a decent crop. We'll all get too hyped, like, what's going to come? But it turns out to be good. We need a rain in this period to help swell the grain. The kiloids last year was superb because of the June rain. So If we get good rain, half inch or inch in the next fortnight, it's made. Wheat is mid-flowering, you know. There's no rain that should ease the ergot issue. It's not, you know, it needs splash, it needs the thing to sporulate. So hopefully we'll avoid a big ergot year on wheat, although within the grass sector that's in the field, I don't know, maybe there's lots more grass ergot about, which people are talking about. That's just a little pleasant surprise that turns up at harvest time, isn't it? Okay, I mean, so what else have we got to look forward to in this month? They've just had cereals, which by all accounts has been a bit of a, you know, you queue for hours to get in, queue for hours to get out, which kind of undermines the whole thing. I haven't been for, I don't know, five, six years now. I don't know if it's still attended by the trade. I know there was the mass exodus, wasn't there? There was the vast big tents or marquees, or they were almost like, yeah. 
The right joke way. we used to pretend we were going to turn up with a little two-man tent right in between the two biggies, didn't we? Just as a Mickey take, but that's just childish. <laughs> to me, it's a waste of time. I don't see the point. But I'm not a farmer going to look at trial plots or trying to find who's got the best burger on their stand and then moan at the people who've got only ham sandwiches. I don't see the point in it. Yeah. Well, there's the Bungi Viterra merger. Yeah, that's exciting, yeah. Very much is, isn't it? I mean, that's big news, you know. Very big news. I mean, OK, I agree it's not been finalised, but that... So when did Bungi exit the UK, Andrew? Was that... Um, the... Which time? <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember. Was it the 19... 1990s, 80s, 90s, 80s. yeah. They were Kenneth Wilson, and then they legged it, and then they kind of... They've always been a presence in the grain industry, haven't they? But not maybe direct, so we don't directly come in there. They don't come on our radar, do they? No, but I mean, obviously this deal, if it all goes through, it'll make them certainly rival Cargill. Big, as big as? Not quite. Uh, I, OK, but I don't think far off. There is a strip down in the Glencore business, the, the grain aspect of it, isn't it? Bungi are buying Viterra, is that yes. right? That's right, yeah. right, isn't it? And they're basically coming back into the UK because that will then have them in the tame office of the Viterra guys. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe we don't have a big expansion plan, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting thing, isn't it? You know, here is a company that are, yeah, definitely looking to acquire another massive company. And you mean they're trying to buy us as well? Christ, yeah. I hadn't heard that. Uh, you didn't mean us. No. We're going to stay fiercely independent. Yep, good. 20, yeah. 20 so, you know, I'm sure that there's probably another six, eight months on this deal merger to go through because it's so enormous. But um, that, that, that's, you know, that's vaguely exciting in the UK grain trade. You no, know, that's very exciting. If uh, Hopefully they'll stay. I mean, they've got a good team down at Tame. They're friends of ours and we're like, you know, people we can work with. So we need them to stay. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I like some of the guys here. Hmm. Tom Eaton, self-professed, nicest guy in the grain trade. Yeah, but is he? <laughs> is he though, Tom? Are you, are oh. you Tom? Mm. Oh. Yeah, oh. exactly. Sharp, very bright lad, you know, a bit too quick for the rest of us. No, they have got a good crowd. Yeah, I like them. concur. Just going to go back to shows again, actually. The Norfolk show's coming up. Is that worthy of a visit? Because there's no agricultural merchants go to it anymore, do they? Or maybe somebody goes and we don't know because we don't even visit it. But lots of agricultural businesses have dropped it. I think it's quite good to go around and wander and, and kick the tyres. You just run to people and see them and say hello. And Well, certainly if you travel there with your wife, you go 10 yards and you see someone, or you used to, because I haven't been for several mm. years. But I'm now on the council. I'm on the committee. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What so, perks do you get from that? I was going to say something really childish, but I didn't. And so, do, you have, um, do you have to wear a, um, like I did as a kid, do you have to wear a bowler hat? Do no, you have to do that whole no, thing? No, I have to wear a top hat. <laughs> a top hat? Yeah. <laughs> top hat and stacks, so I look really tall. Uh, no, the best thing for me, I'm allowed to go to the vice president's tent with my council oh, yeah. badge. I've never been, I've only Very been allowed in there once okay. before when I won the Timothy Coleman Prize, but yeah, I'll be mixing with the great and the good. Okay. Get I, might, I might pop into the members with a yeah. oi baloi. But, but yeah, and I'd probably, you know, they might ask me to present the prize in the main ring for the best goat or something at 5am. I might get a job. Yeah. <laughs> Hope not. But, uh, yeah, I'm the new boy, so I'm just going to, like, just have my badge discreetly tucked away and wander around it's looking. It's a good thing to do, though, isn't it? It's, I, did, I stewarded for, I don't know, three or four years okay. in this sheep section. Yeah, yeah, we all know about I knew, that. I'm, God, I bet those sheep were worried. <laughs> yeah, they had a hell of a time. <laughs> <laughs> that was a birthday present for Ben, that particular line, wasn't it? Yeah. Especially the ones with the blue eyes, yeah? <laughs> or closer to the fence. <laughs> 
moving on. Um, yeah. So Norfolk Show, I mean, that's something which, you know, my attitude, having years ago gone there, you spend very long days handing out beer, handing out burgers. Oh, I don't, you know, having a stand there, no, not so much, but actually go out and kind of, you know, doing what you're doing and just seeing people catch up with them. Not the hard sell, because no one enjoys no, that, no, do no, they? No. It's just nice to see, and faces and names, but, you know... Just You're really good at that. Some of us are rubbish at that. We're going to think, oh, Craig's, I can't remember his name. Here he comes. That's good to do. But it is Norfolk Agricultural Show, isn't it? You know? Yeah, except a number of agricultural companies. I mean, it's incredibly expensive. And I think mm. they should probably, if I, you know, I'll say this as an outsider, not having any debate about it, but if you want it to be an agricultural show, you need to make it a discount for the agricultural companies in order to tempt them, I think, because it's a lot of money. Yeah. Well, it's not to really big companies, I guess, but... You know, no, it's a lot, yeah, and it's a lot of effort, isn't it? And yeah, it's kind of knackered doing it. Are you expecting a member of the royal family? Are they, uh, they come along. Meghan Markle, I think she's coming along <laughs> with her truth. <laughs> I don't think so. No. Okay. I thought it was a council member. You might have to meet and greet. No, 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 no. That's jobs for there's special people in the county who do that. You know, one of our farmers is one of those guys. Actually, yeah. what's their job? Oh, is it a Lord Lieutenant? Yeah, Lord Lieutenant. Yeah. That's it, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Lewis Spohr is one of those, and he's uh, he does that job. He talks to royalty. That's why he came on our podcast, so you thought, well, he's, you know, <laughs> sufficiently royal. Anyway, um, moving on from that. So, Norfolk Show, I will be attending it this year as a council member and trying to get my head around it again. What else? We talk about grain again, Vlad, pulling out of the... the... Pulling out the grain corridor, I mean, it's not... It's a bit like the okie-cokie, Vlad. Yes, yeah, out. and I think... I in, think... out, in, out. The trade have mostly dismissed it. There's enough routes out of Ukraine on the railway lines. I know Hungary, Poland, etc. Oh, you know, we're going to block it. But ultimately they can't. The grain can still go on trains and find its way out. So Don't the Romanians, Polish and Hungarians know that? Yeah. Because the Polish price is through the floor because yeah. of the Ukrainian wheat coming in there. And there is an issue with that. Yeah, and no, no, I think they did try and do something through the European court, didn't they? Asking for more support through... So this is the irony. They asked for more financial support for their farming sector because of the Ukrainian grain coming in. The European court said, yes, we can help. And the Ukrainians are now taking them to the World Trade Organization. Uh, okay. It's very... Which is a bit like, hang on a minute. These guys were helping you. So, you know... I think I'm sure Vlad's chuckling into his wheat stocks about that one. Just after he slaughtered a load of people by bombing a dam and pretending it wasn't him. And then the dam burst, I mean, we've had a lot of comments from farmers about, oh, you know, will that affect the prices? Yes, it has affected farmland, but, you know, it's not enough to affect the global markets. Well, it's destroyed crops, and it's created an ecological disaster in the Black Sea, and it's swept away mines. It's stopped the timing of it. It's immaculately good to disrupt the Ukrainian shove to yeah. attack back. So it's, it, tactically, it's a smart military move, but, you know, it's fairly obviously mainly to their advantage. Mm. But yeah, well, we've stopped being shocked, I think, haven't we? Yeah, and I mean, I guess, you know, globally, apparently, I mean, not that it's relevant, but North Korea is about to have its worst ever famine since the 1990s when three million of them died. Really? Yep. Looks like even more are going to that die. Should, that should affect China as well, isn't it? It's a peninsula right next to some of their wheat-producing region. Yeah. They've had floods in China. We don't know the detail of what was destroyed and what wasn't, how much you know, grain was become mouldy. But no. that's in the background. You know, If the Chinese suddenly appear as a purchaser, that could be a little bit of a flag warning going, hang on a minute, they're in the market and they're not normally there. 
Is this because they need to buy lots of wheat? That's a thought. Yeah, I mean, on the back of that, China have announced that they are going to invest in a 10-year farm modernisation strategy. So there you go, UK farmer, buy some land out in China. Talking about modernisation, I had a brilliant idea today, right? Here's my brilliant idea. This is completely random, sorry about this. But uh, my brilliant idea is with all these combines that cost £800,000 to buy... And they've all got these chips in them that you can now hack into these firms and turn all the machines off so you can disrupt the European or the Western harvest if you had the brains to do it, which clearly they have, because they can hack anything. And I'd just like to say how incredibly adult I have been so far on my podcast. Reference the e-passport. Remember the grain passport that the the people think the emperor isn't naked on? I haven't, until this point, mentioned the complete failure of the e-passport system coming into the UK, have I? No, I haven't. No, you haven't. Indeed, I haven't. And even better than that are the requests that I made to how much did it cost to implement the e-passport system for the UK blocked by the Home Office. Freedom of Information blocked by the Home Office. Now, was it more than one and a half million pounds, which has been suggested as the total cost for the e-grain passport? I think it was. My point being... Yeah, if they can hack... The passport system for people travelling and disrupted. There was, that was obviously a hack. There was no two ways about it. Well, look, I just hope some of the committee, certain members especially, were travelling at that particular point and got stuck <laughs> for three hours at a passport office and then spent the rest of their lives praying that I hadn't noticed, so I didn't mention it. But the next meeting I actually bother to attend, because they're not listening to me anyway, I will say, oh, been abroad recently, and they'll just groan and pretend I'm an idiot, but facts are facts. There were billions spent on that system, and it failed. So if you want to stop everybody for three hours on every single load all across the whole country, carry on, boys. You're doing a great job. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Yeah, so that's... I've got that on my chest. So my my brilliant idea is buy old combines, right, from the 90s, if they haven't all been exported in the 2000s, pre-sort of Lexian-style ones with not many computer chips in... Get the boys at Cantley, you know, in their spare time, which is a joke in itself because I haven't got any of that, but um, to, like, take them to bits, strip them down, put them back together again, make sure they all work. They'll be incredibly... If a new machine costs £800,000, you could buy three old Lexians and have three members of staff and still do it cheaper per acre than the new funky machine. Brilliant. Very true. So if, nationally, if that happens, we stop relying upon chips and so on and get back to mechanical things so that when the moment comes when the combines break, someone can take it to bits and mend it. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, I will give you that. That is a good idea. There you go. You heard it here first. If someone copies that idea, we're happy to sponsor you. <laughs> We've skipped over the droughts and stuff we were talking about then. The crop potential at this moment, you're happy to conclude, is brilliant. Yeah. Subject to the rain. We're kind of in a happy place with that. I mean, is there any other political influences or stuff that's going to affect our lives in this grain market? Boris Johnson, he's now resigned. Yeah. And he's the report comes out today, doesn't it's it? It's out today. It's completely damning. Oh, I haven't read it. Yeah, well, I've just read a summary on, sadly, the BBC. But, I mean, essentially, yes, he lied multiple times and, yeah. It's what we all knew. Yeah. And obviously he then tried to undermine the report before it came out. Mm -hmm. That pissed the committee off. Ironically, the committee was made up of four Tories and three, two Labour and one SNP. So it was majority Tory anyway. And all the big hitting Tories are coming out and saying, yes, Boris Johnson is a liar. Big hitting Tories of... 
the the old school kind yeah, of Tories. Not, not Sir Jacob Rees-Mogg, then Sir. No, or or Dame or, Pretty Patel. or Sir Michael Fabricant, or the twenty-nine-year-old yeah. intern who got a peerage for life on the basis of helping him for about five minutes in Downing Street. Did the hairdresser get one? Yeah, I think so. Great. We're still waiting. Your hairdresser won't get one, Andrew. <laughs> I don't know how to work about. Do it myself. I, I wish they did because I do it myself. No, and we've got Liz Truss's list to come. She resigned after him. She's got a group of her cronies. The lady who was perfect shape for the, the NHS job, who got the agriculture job and really can't be bothered to stay at meetings and has to leave, she'll be getting something, won't she? Oh, yeah. Yeah, because she's Liz's best friend. Yeah. So what's she the... going to be? Dame? Oh, my God. Yeah. It's frightening, isn't it? Yeah, okay. Yeah, well, that is depressing. Yeah. But in the political world, crop-wise, I mean, I think, you know, everything will just, you know, reasonably carry on. Well, as there's no strategy, there's no, no doubt it'll just carry on. We'll just find out where it lands, won't we? Yeah. So it's, yeah, it boils down to crop size, and then, and then we'll be okay for another year. But strategically, we're heading into a year where prices are at break even before they start, if production prices are as high as we think they are. So 2024 harvest, 185x for November, is borderline. Why would you do it? Because you've got the fixed cost you've got to cover and you might as well break even and carry on. But it should reduce the amount of acreage. It should reduce dramatically the acreage for 24 planting of wheat because of the black grass issue. There'll be a lot more spring barley, yeah. more spring crops, a much smaller crop. So strategically, our supply of food goes down, diminish, mm. unless we get some form of real clue about what happens next. Nicola Sturgeon, should we talk about her? She's political. Apparently there's a statement saying that uh, she was only arrested because of the English. It was her fault. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, it's the English's fault. What else? I have our Scottish listeners. That just gives me pleasure because I did find her very annoying. Yeah, what else is there to talk about? I think that covers most of the news we've seen. Yeah, we're waiting. We're clearing our stores out. We're waiting. It's too hot. It is dry forecast. We are worried. We want it to rain. We want there to be an enormous crop. So, you know, do the rain dance, somebody who makes it work, and we'll have a good time. I'm going to remind you about the Doing Podcast Walk, which is the week of the Norfolk show, Monday the 26th of June at 2pm, which gives us a nice opportunity to go and have a beer afterwards somewhere in the middle of Munsley, the Hague Club or the, or the pub. And the what three words are feel, sunbeam, swarm. Okay, so hopefully Hopefully. one of my colleagues will come in the afternoon this time because I've been a bit lonesome. I'll come. Where's that? Is that um, along the cliffs, along the beach, bit of both? No, no, it's going to go inland through the golf course, through to Gimmingham, and then hang a left over the river, the mighty river Mun, through to Trunch, and then back from Trunch back to Munsey. It's quite a good. It's a good, seriously long walk. Okay. Hopefully the paths will be clear this time. I won't get so many stings on my legs like I did in, in Bressingham. But, yeah, someone's cleared them. I'll, I'll have a word with the parish councils <laughs> who haven't got the money to do it. I've done it once before, and it's a good walk. And one final reminder, we're not going to have a specific day, but we have a large number of people who need their certificate on their moisture meter, doing grain, who run stores, and who do actually provide that service. So, you know, feel free, pop in. Don't necessarily expect to be done there and then. You might have to come back and pick it up. Well, there is a small charge for doing each metre, but we will calibrate or help you calibrate your machine, give you an accurate reading, and we will therefore then provide you with a certificate for your ACCS farm assurance scheme. Red tractor, yeah. Same thing, red tractor, ACCS, everyone knows what I'm talking about. Predominantly 
And that's at Aylsham and Cantley, not our other stores. I mean, the guys at Cantley are a little bit more stretched with lots of colour sorting and stuff going on at the moment. So Aylsham preferred. But yeah, both sites should be able to manage it. As I say, if you can't get it done there and then while you're waiting, you you can leave it and come back. But we are providing that service and it's available to you as per usual, but not on a specific day. Okay, with that, thank you very much, you two. Thank you. Our fans will have enjoyed another one of our little chats. Cheers. for listening make sure you subscribe to get updates on new episodes and when they are released and follow us on twitter and instagram we are at dewing grain call dewing grain on 01263 731 550 or email info at the dewing grain podcast is produced by east coast design studio a full service creative agency specializing in websites digital marketing and branding Get in touch to inquire with their friendly team on info at eastcoastdesignstudio.co.uk.